Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Good to have you with us, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in, dialing in from wherever you're out across the country. We really appreciate you making this a part of the way you get information on what's going on in the mortgage industry. And my goodness, is there a lot going on. You know what this day is? The first real business day of TRID. And Alice just died, sent me a note, says, I'll be on the program, but I'll be late. I am so sorry. She's still in meetings. Oh, yeah, I'm surprised that she is not even here. Yeah, I mean, that, that she can be here today because it's Happy Trid Day, as she put it in her email. I just spotted that, so look forward to having her on. We also have Paul Mollum on with us. He'll get to him in a little bit. And, um, of course, we have the Prophet Doctor, and we have our good friend, Joe Farr with MBS Quote Line. Good to have you with us, everybody. It's Monday, the October 5th. We always say that because many of you listen to this broadcast podcast on a download basis. We appreciate you being here with us. The hot topic today is going to be at the second half of the broadcast. We'll be the e- getting an economic update from our very special guest, Mike Frattentoni, who is the uh, SVP and chief economist for the Mortgage Bankers Association. So good to have him here and excited to have his feedback on all that's going on. Again, this broadcast was created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals and the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, United Guarantee, which has their performance premium program. It's the mortgage insurance only MI pricing that is truly risk-based and surpassing simple tiered-based systems and broadening options for lenders. For example, premium Performance, the Performance Premium Program gives you the power to be able to work with a wider credit box. For example, in, within that wider credit box, you can do things like second homes. You can work with non-traditional properties and some non-traditional borrowers. Very unique uh, at wider credit box, some things. And I will also tell you that they have a chance to reward some of the stronger buyers with more favorable rates. So for those borrowers that have taken care of their credit, got some great programs for them. And it really helps uh, the lenders close more loans faster. They have a fast the fastest underwriting with a full file submission and the ability to do additional different types of loans to help borrowers, more borrowers, get into homes. And I believe that's a 24-hour underwrite still if it's on a full file submission basis. Check it all out at www.ugcorp.com and call your local sales executive. Encourage you to get a hold of them. Again, mortgage insurance is underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Mortgage Insurance Company. It's good to have them be as a sponsor. Also, our sponsor, Velma, which stands for the Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. We appreciate them being here, and they help companies like yourselves put out a set it and forget it auto campaign for emails that get to go out to your customers, to those that you're wanting to get a hold of, or they'll really work with a customized solution, and they'll do that on the fly. Trust me, they are on the fly with me on this broadcast because I'm usually getting the word out and get everything done. A lot goes into the preparation of this broadcast and getting all these pieces going. Man, anyone who has got really strong administrative skills and would love to get involved with me on that, I welcome a conversation. Special thank you to Velma, the job they do, and to our newest sponsor, which is Motivity Solutions. They have the real-time business intelligence tool for the mortgage lending industry, and it provides real-time reporting as well as dashboards and scorecards. Motivity Business Solutions delivers real-time performance analytics, enabling mortgage lenders to proactively monitor monitor and manage operations across their enterprise. And again, the best part is it's in real time. You know exactly what's going on, and you can drill into the deepest micro aspects of what's going on. Check them out at MotivitySolutions.com or call them at 303-721-9000. Hope to have them on here in the future uh, providing a uh, KPI of the, of the week. And so that will be coming up. They're working on getting those ready for us. Special thank you goes out to Andy and Joe and Alice for all of their participation in the broadcast to make it possible. Quick update on conferences, to run through these real fast. The MBA's upcoming annual conference in San Diego, October 18th through the 21st. And we also have the uh, MBA's commercial multifamily technology 
Officers Roundtable. That is at the NBA's headquarters on November 4th and the 5th. November 18th to the 20th is the Accounting and Finance Management Conference in New Orleans. Nolens just came back from there, spoke there last week. What a fun town. And um, then we have Andy Shell, the Profit Doctor, will be speaking there. And, of course, Mike Frattantoni will be at that one as well. December 2nd through the 4th, we have the Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference. That is in Omni in the Nashville, uh, Tennessee area. Great conference. And if you're an independent mortgage banker, you need to make that one for sure. And then January 21st, MBA's Mergers and Acquisitions Workshop in Phoenix, Arizona. Lots of good information. Check it out at www.mba.org forward slash conferences and education forward slash conferences and education or conference and meetings. Check them out. Appreciate you all being here with us. Let's get over to what's going on in the markets right now. Joe Farr, looking at your Hi, website. Dave. There's uh, Good to have you with us. This is going to be a quiet week, but it looks like we're starting out a little on the downside. Well, we we opened lower and we've stayed right there. Uh, it's kind of a continuation of what happened after the jobs report came out and after the initial reaction to the jobs report. We, you know, we saw what you would expect with that jobs report, where we where we dropped, uh, where stock market uh, stocks fell and MBS prices improved. And boy, about about ten thirty, things started reversing. And by the end of the day. Uh, the stock market had fully recovered their loss. In fact, it was one of the biggest swings uh, of the year in from low to high on the stock market that day. And uh, MBS prices gave gave back some of their gains, not all of them, but about half of their gains. And then this morning, we're giving back some more, and stocks are improving some more. So just a, a continuation of that uh, very large reaction to the weak jobs number last week. Um yeah, and and that's despite ISM services coming out a little bit short of our expectations this morning, Dave. Yeah. It, it, ordinarily, yeah. you'd expect to see that uh, cause MBS prices to improve, but uh, it was all about last week's jobs report. And yep. um, uh, you know, if you step back and look at the whole week last week, it was a very good week for mortgage rates. Uh, MBS prices improved every day for the week. We uh, mortgage rates improved by about ten, twelve basis points. And that's now at the best level since late in April, you know. And so, uh, yeah. you know, we, we went through a period of, of rising rates, but uh, we've seen those reverse somewhat now, and we're at a very good level. The uh, the job report, as we all know, came in very weak. Uh, immediately, prices improved about 50 basis points. Uh, the Dow fell, and then, like I mentioned, it all turned around and uh, by the end of the day, MBS prices were only up 25 basis points, but the Dow had had uh, uh, gained over 400 points and ended up uh, a couple hundred points on the day. Uh, in addition, last week the data generally was was a, a bit weaker than expected. Uh, core PCE uh, reflected that in the form of uh, lower inflation. 1.3 percent is the annual rate. Uh, inflation for that month and then pending home sales fell manufacturing activity slowed then as we talked about job growth slowed yeah the only bright spot was a very good consumer confidence number seemed uh, a little bit odd that's the second best reading for consumer confidence in 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 eight years so um and like you said this week it's a very light calendar uh the most important thing is going to be the Fed minutes that are going to be released on Thursday. They come out at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Before that, jobless claims every Thursday. We have Treasury auctions, uh, the 10-year auctions on Wednesday, so you might pay particular attention then. And then the import prices come out on Friday. So it's really a, a light week for economic news this week. Except for that Fed report. We're going to see if we get some insights yeah. into uh, what what we may see from them, give them any indication. Uh, of course, I can't wait to get to that topic of when are the Feds, if and when the Feds are going to raise rates. we got Mike Frantonio. I know you're you're as excited as I am to hear all that good stuff. He's, you bet. He's close to the Fed office proximity-wise, being inside the Beltway, so I can't wait to see if he picks up subliminally some extra messaging what's happening there. <laughs> Joe, so good. I encourage you, uh, listeners, to check out the website again, mbsquoteline.com. Excellent material uh, on here. Gets to the point. Uh, doesn't do a lot of analysis. Gets right to the point, letting, you know, getting you the critical information so you know what's going on in your pipeline. If you want to learn more, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with Paul Malo and then Alice Alvey right back after this brief break. 
Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteline delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline. Delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS. MBSQuoteLine.com. MBSQuoteLine.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. I like that one line that's in there. Be the expert that your clients expect. That's the truth. And one of the ways we stay up and stay expert on everything going on is Paul Malo, who's on the line with us. Paul, good to have you with us. How are you doing? Thank you, Dave. Good. What's going on? Uh, looking at your headlines here, I mean, looking at trouble ahead with a big question mark, the jumbo MBS, MBS issuance declines. Anything we're reading, so we should be reading into that? I like the question mark. Here's, here's a big sigh. Yeah. Yeah, jumbo MBS. You know what? What can we say? I mean, uh, and just look at Redwood Stock. I mean, there's there's a company yes. that pioneered the sort of comeback, and their stock is, you know, not too much uh, higher than their 52-week low. You know, they they seem to be just running a trading desk these days. I presume they'll be doing more securitizations. Um, you know, some companies are issuing jumbos and, and some aren't. But, you know, all we know, we crunched the numbers. Jumbo securitization fell uh, almost 18% on a sequential basis from 2Q to 3Q. Uh, you know, there's lots of talk about the market. Uh, that the economics just aren't quite there. Uh, you can make money, I guess, securitizing jumbos, but not much. And everyone's just, you know, waiting and seeing. I mean, banks can, it's the same old story we've been talking about for two years or more. Uh, banks, you know, put these things in, in their portfolio and then they, you know, they're paying the poor depositors 75 basis points or whatever. <laughs> and they're yeah, making a fat old spread on it. So why should any, yeah. you know, why should banks securitize this stuff? And, you know, there's non banks originating it and, you know, they basically sell it to the commercial banks. So, that story, uh, you know, continues to be the story, and then we'll keep writing it. So, uh, the other interesting story this morning, it, it broke through an SEC filing. We got it out there. Uh, Denmark Dixon is now the CEO, or will be in a couple of days, of Walter. Um, Mark O'Brien has decided to retire. I'm not sure we could read much into it. Mark is is obviously retirement age at 72 or so. Uh, but you know, listen, Walter, like um, like Aquin's had a lot of regulatory trouble. Their stock has been smacked pretty good. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, you know, he's going to remain as chairman, and you know, the future of companies like Walter and Aquin, and to a less degree, maybe NationStar. I think they need to prove to the industry and investors, you know, that you know they have a plan for future growth, and they they have a vision for these companies, and you know. We'll see. Um, it's crazy stuff, but we'll continue to cover that as well. Uh, you guys talked a little bit about TRID earlier. It's it's now the couple mornings after. You know, we were hearing a lot of reports on Friday and even today about software snafus at some of these LOS providers. You know, we're, we're updating right. their programs up until Friday night. I talked to one this morning who I, I won't mention, uh, and I heard that they were having trouble, but they I got on the phone with them this morning. They're like, no, no, we fixed it all. We, they said they were on the phone with the CFPB. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, this this is, you know, uh, you know, Friday night, making sure their calculations are right. I mean, i got to hand it to the, to the vendors, and, and you know, this, this yeah, hasn't been an easy task. And, you know, there, there were other reports about other vendors um, who, again, I won't Struggling. name because it's, it's complicated. And, yep. you know, we'll see. We, we'll see how this shakes out. Uh, I, so, I think the big thing to watch for, for your viewers and our readers is, you know, delays of closings. What, you know, what's going to yeah. happen in the next several weeks? Yeah. You know, these things will be pushed back for real reasons or, or lenders who are just, you know, getting inundated by their attorney saying, you know, don't do anything, you know, don't close anything. You talk to your attorneys <laughs> first. I mean, this, you know, it's fear. There's it's fear and anxiety, yeah. and, and it's sort of a good story for if you're a reporter. Um, and we're just going to continue to cover it. So we'll see what happens, whether all this stuff turns. I think you guys were talking last two, last week about Y2K, how overblown that right. whole thing was. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see on this, too. Um, certainly is interesting. Uh, Phoenix is out there. 
with uh, Fitness Capital, another MSR offering. This is $3 billion. They had a $3 billion one uh, in late September. I know Mountain View has been very active along with um, Interactive Mortgage Advisors and Presswork. A lot of servicing deals out there. We'll see how many of these close because, you know, rates falling always screw these things up because they, they suddenly pull them back and prices come down, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we had a story from Brandon uh, on our website now, Brandon Avi, about large, bank, uh, large banks. Uh, now, putting more of an emphasis on proprietary loan mods instead of HAMP stuff, uh, that's that's sort of an ongoing trend. And uh, in yeah. short takes, we uh, we talk a little bit, uh, again, about Aquin. We checked the short positions on Aquin this morning, uh, according to shortsqueeze.com. 49% of Aquin's publicly available shares, the float, so to speak, are being right. shorted. That's never wow. a good thing uh, when your stock is that shorted. And, you know, that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch. Whether, you know, shorts, you know, listen, short sellers get squeezed and, and they can get yep. really ugly. If Aquin yep. uh, starts posting profits, but they already said they're going to lose money for 2015, you know, somewhere down the road, the rubber's going to hit the road or the, the tires are going to hit the rubber or the yeah. car's going to hit the wall. Take any <laughs> metaphor you want or analogy. But, you know, Aquin's got to prove itself. And, uh, you yeah. know, people who are shorting their stock at seven bucks a share. You know they could get hurt, but if you know they were shorting this stock at thirty or forty bucks a share and they're still shorting it, you know these speculators could do very well. But positions, short positions, have increased, and they've increased on on low dollar price levels. Meaning, if you're shorting that stock at seven, you think it's going to go to three or four, even lower. Uh, and if and if you're wrong, you're going to have to you know pay up if that stock goes to ten and you're shorting at seven, right. and you got to replace those shares. Uh, you're going to be in a world of hurt if you're a short seller. So we're going to continue to watch the Aquin story, um, and that's sort of the you know the uh, long and short of it. All the highlights on short takes this morning. So great take it away. I'm thinking about the uh, the technology CEO that gets a Paul call from Paul Malo in the midst of trying to deal with all the challenges, <laughs> and so that would be a nightmare kind of thing. You know, you know you're struggling with this thing, and you get a call from Paul, and if you don't take the call, that's as horrible as taking the call and just stumbling with it. So what do you do? So I'm I'm, I'm empathetic to the guy that you had you called. Well, it was a PR person for a well-known mortgage <laughs> software vendor, let's say, and uh she got back to me pretty quickly. <laughs> so uh and then <laughs> she wanted to reassure me all was well. Uh but you know, they uh, they were I'm sure they weren't the only one on the phone no, on Friday night with the CFPB. Um nope. so well, yeah, there's no interest, interest in forbearance. I mean, or what was, I saw one of the NBA web uh, posts uh, that Stevens put out. They're disappointing in that they're not going to give any uh, really work with them man, too much. So we'll get an update. Well, we should also was. point out we had on our website last week. There's a bill pending in yeah. Congress on 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 that. So we'll see what happens whether Congress comes through and offers, you know, hard legislative relief and whether the president would sign such a thing. So, yeah, and be real interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think there may be a little more stand by your man, which is standing by Cordray. So uh, we'll see about all that. But good stuff. A great website. Again, I check it out every single day. And it's www.imfnews.com. Check it out and sign up for the blog so this ends up in your inbox. You don't have to be dialing in and checking it. You can get this delivered right to your inbox. Paul, thanks so much for being here with us. Have a great rest of the week. Talk to you next week. Alice Alvey, it's good to hear you're uh, on the line here. I was thinking of all the people, Alice, that are dealing with TRID, and I'm certain your phone must look like just toxic. It must be glowing there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> with all the calls. Well, it was a crazy week. Actually, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. You know, we do, yeah. every day was a varying 911 call, and, of course, you know, like I always say, we're here to help. And, you know, I mean, like um, – Paul was describing there were various levels of technology issues that companies were trying to deal with, but still, you know, some policy issues and really just overall reconciling, knowing that the very first thing that's hitting today is what about the applications last week, the ones over the weekend, the ones coming in today, 
And the ones that are kind of falling in the mortgage, what is now like becoming the mortgage donut hole, where you've got this hole in the middle for the applications that were maybe an application under ECOA, but not an application under RESPA and TILA. So now when they become an application under TILA, you know, making sure that your folks pick that up right and it moves properly from the old way to the new way. And, you know, what if I had issued a good faith estimate already? Do I need to stay with a good faith estimate? And the the answer to that is yes. So I think folks right now are uh, the new stuff, they go, okay, great. If it's a clean break, absolute new application today, I pick it up and I start in my new world. But there's a lot of reconciling going on about the stuff that was in that limbo, right? Uh, uh, right. My borrower hadn't found a house yet or various things happen on the loan that uh, might cause it to, or it was just put in the system wrong. And I think the brokers are really waking up today going, oh my gosh, what just happened? <laughs> because <laughs> they, they yep. were they count so much on their wholesalers to get them uh, to be, you know, following compliance. And I think there's a, a lot going on today for sure. So that was my oh, main thing, I guess. Um, I know we have uh, Mike Brantoni as our guest today, right? I have, am I yes. recalling that correctly? Yes. yes. So yes. I want to make sure we have plenty of time for that economic update. Um, I was just going to provide folks our uh, the advantage, the, our viewpoint from what was going on with Trade. It was kind of funny. You know, this like nostalgia thing was going on Friday night of people going, wow, we're saying goodbye to the GFE and the HUD and compliance. People are emailing back and forth. Are you at the bar yet? You know, <laughs> going, uh, trying to, you know, go through that Y2K moment on Friday and uh, work all weekend to, to test things. So that was uh, the behind the scenes for the compliance folks, and hopefully today the sales folks are able to, you know, pick up at least know how to get an application taken yes. and, and follow your new process. Um, not to get totally lost um, on other subjects, uh, you know, we do see folks still also trying to grapple with FHA changes. Uh, from a legislative standpoint, you know, as Paul brought up, I was just going to mention that one aspect of, uh, you know, will Congress get involved right now? We don't know, but we do know we have some verbal relief, you know, from Cordray that uh, we should be able to not feel heavy enforcement um, in this coming time frame through the end of the year. But um, we'll definitely well, be watching for those first clients. Yeah, and I Sorry, thought that's what I read him saying, and then I saw I thought a, a post from uh, David Stevens about saying that they're disappointed that there's not going to be more uh, cooperation and uh, I don't know if it's forbearance, but what what the word is, for example, that the, the MBA used. But anyway, we may get some updates on that, but from um, from Mike when he gets on. But I, I thought there was a the MBA was disappointed in that what the uh, what CFPB was going to do and how how they're going to work with the industry. So, I don't know, it'll be real interesting. Bottom line, get it right, and if you can't get it right, get a hold of Alice. So, and even, even, <laughs> even if you think you have it right, get a hold of Alice. Alice, so good to have you with us. Appreciate it. Can't wait to have you on during the Hot Topic segment with Mike Frantoni. We'll be doing that here in just a little bit. Folks, we're going to be right back with uh, an update from the Profit Doctor and a report from Sam Garcia, and I look forward to talking to you in just a minute. Be right back. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. It's good to have you with us, everybody. Sam Garcia just sent me an email saying he is stuck in a meeting and can't join us, but he did send me some of the highlights and highlight that he has on there. First of all, the first one that I, first of all, I want to encourage you to go out to uh, www.mortgagedaily.com. Choking here. I took a sip of coffee during the break, and uh, so I'm trying to get that down, get started here. But anyway, check it out at mortgagedaily.com. But the story that has to do with mortgage employment, it's really interesting that uh, there is a total of 277,800 bank mortgage jobs. 620 people are employed by the credit union in this space, and 297 in non-bank jobs. So it's very interesting to see where we're seeing the, the, the growth and where the distribution of talent is. 
but I didn't realize it was as high in uh, in bank mortgage jobs. In other words, those divisions of the mortgage uh, companies or mortgage divisions within the bank. So that's 227,800. Very interesting. So uh, the said his article says in this that there's 585,100 people working in the mortgage business as of August. Also, he has some information about some ARM loans. I would encourage you to check that out. I'm looking over this, the information he has provided, and also at his website again, www.mortgagedaily.com. Uh, there's a fixed rate agency MBS issuance rose two percent in September to 108 billion. And also, Fannie Mae issuance was up 15%, while Jenny Mae's dropped to 9%. I don't think Jenny Mae's crying about that. They were getting a lot of exposure there. Also, um, is there still a coffee index out there? He's talking about an article about that. But um, there's a new record low for the third month in a row, and that is now down the coffee index, or the cost of funds um, index is at 6.39 in August. So a lot of good stuff. Check out his website. And uh, Sam, look forward to having you back. I'm, I know he'll go back and listen to this. He's one of our faithful listeners, even when he's not on. So wish Sam the very best. Let's get over to talk to the Profit Doctor. Profit Doctor, your webinar with the MBA is going extremely well. And, uh, Hi. and you're graduating into your last session, and it is the one which really stretches people out there because you get into the really, the, the some would consider secret sauce, but it's not. You help them. <laughs> understand what some think is secret. Yeah. Well, this last week was teaching accountants about hedging, about implied volatility, negative convexity, servicing multiples and servicing curves, so that when they talk to secondary marketing people, the words get demystified because accountants Mm -hmm. now understand what causes a negative convexity. What does it happen? What's the prepayment put? What's the extension risk? And how does that all fit together because tomorrow we're going to talk about how to put this information into the financial statements in a way that's consistent with the requirements of generally accepted accounting principles. And, and that gets really, it kind of makes your head spin because it's, it's, it's a lot of accounting spoken mirrors to comply with all the things you got to do. So that's tomorrow. That's going to be uh, the last of the four series uh, webinar until we launch it again. But we, like I think you may have mentioned, we're going to be speaking in New Orleans at the Accounting and Financial Management Conference, and that's a great topic down there. We're going to be talking about how to communicate finan- uh, complex financial management issues to the board of directors. So tomorrow we're going to talk about the most complicated aspects of mortgage finance and gap in mortgage banking. And then in a couple of months we're going to talk about how to explain all this really hard to understand MSRs and, and you know net present value of the anticipated future cash flows and say that in a way that's understandable to the CEO and to the board of directors. Because these accountants yeah, run around talking in their own Yeah, and the regulators. These accountants run around talking in their own secret language and nobody understands what they're saying. And that's very ineffective. We need management and the boards need to understand what's going on inside their companies and okay. and have a, a, a thorough understanding of the complexity that's happening and financial impacts. And so I really actually enjoy doing that, trying to demystify accounting and explain it in a way that's understandable for anyone. And you you truly do that so extraordinarily well. I mean, it's sometimes when you're looking at some of these issues, whether it be accounting or sophisticated accounting of the hedging activities going on there, it's like understanding a foreign language. You will start being able to understand it. You can get the concept. So you, you're sitting in a foreign country. You know the conversations. You can listen and get most of what they're saying. But it's altogether another ma- uh, matter when they ask you to speak. To them in that language, so it's really important that you understand that. Good stuff, Prophet Doctor. Really appreciate being on and sharing that with us. Well, one quick uh, last point, and this was something referenced by Paul a minute ago. Uh, there is the the MBA pack uh, that has sent out. Uh, the Mortgage Action Alliance uh, with Bill Kilmer has sent out an alert this morning to everyone, talking about the House bill and Senate bill. It's basically going to give everybody a pass on trid and to, not a pass, but as long as you're trying you don't get in trouble, and this this gives a forbearance, so to speak, until February of next year. So that, that announcement just came out. If you don't have it, 
look forward if you're not signed up, go to the NBA and get yeah, signed up. I, 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 I saw that coming just before the broadcast started, and uh, that's good that you bring that up because it's important. That, and the nice thing about the Mortgage Action Alliance, you just have to go on there and just basically cut and paste and send. And it's so important that we all be doing that. That's very, very important. Thanks for bringing that up, Andy. Very good. Sure. Very good. It's good to have. Good. Thanks, Dave. Looking for you bet. We're going to get on uh, our good friend and uh, returning guest, Mike Frattentoni, and we'll be right back after this brief break. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from past efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down a path towards success and profitability. With over 300 Combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending, the Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New warehouse lines of credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact a Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512-977-9900. It's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Good to have you with us, everybody. We have as our special guest today, Mike Frattentoni, who's the chief economist for the NBA. Very excited to have him here. And uh, there's so much that's going on regarding economic updates. And I know there's been a number of revisions that the NBA has made. And so I uh, had the privilege of having a dinner this last week with Jay Brinkman, uh, Mike's predecessor, and it was great to sit down and visit with him and get his takes on it. And Mike was saying that he was talking to him just yesterday or just recently. So it's very exciting to have Mike with us. Mike, I just want to welcome you back to the broadcast. Thanks, David. Glad to be here. You were so kind as to send me your uh, recent slide deck that um, that I use when I'm out talking to the at the various conferences, and I've been on what seems like, I mean, like an eight-week road trip here with all that's going on and a lot of conferences, and I really appreciate you sending this on, and I want to get into some of the information that you have put out recently. I know we're not going to get into what you're going to be talking about at the annual conference. Folks, if you're not at the annual conference, we're not going to be talking about that, but if you want to get the latest, latest update, be at the annual conference. Mike will be doing a presentation. By the way, when are you speaking there, and when will that be? I want to make sure we have our listeners that are attending will make they know uh, when your session is, what day, and what time. So, Marina and Walsh and I are speaking on Tuesday morning. Uh, I believe it's about ten thirty, eleven, somewhere somewhere in that time frame. Uh, and as you said, we will have our uh, updated forecast for the remainder of 15, 16, uh, 17, and we're actually going to give you a, a, a sense of what we're thinking about for for 2018 sort of our, our long-term oh, view of where the market's headed. And, you know, more and more I'm getting requests from lenders who are engaged in a strategic planning exercise and, and just want a sense of, you know, not, not just uh, next couple of years, but over the, uh, the medium term, what's this market likely to look like? That is really going to be interesting. Well, let's get into some of these things. I, you guys have recently done a housing demand paper, and I want to start there. I would love to get some insights into what you see housing to do. I was our Carl Icahn was on a lot of the news channels last week, and he was talking about a number of predictions that he's that he's making, and one of which was he thinks housing is in a bubble. And so I got a call from Neil Cavuto and said, could you come on, and do you, are you, do you agree with that or don't agree with that? And I said, I absolutely do not agree with that. Now, I agree with a lot of things that he's saying, um, you know, all dealing a lot with surrounding Fed policy and what that, the consequences of that. But as it relates to us being in a housing bubble, per se, I just don't get that. And so uh, – Hopefully you're going to support what I said, national television. So what's your thoughts? Are we in a housing bubble? And then tell us about the housing demand. Sure thing. So you go back to 2005, 2006, definitely what we saw then was a pattern of overbuilding. We were putting too many units up for the number of households looking to to get into into a house. That is not the case right now. We are we are not building nearly enough for the number of households we're anticipating. So I, I agree with you. I don't see a bubble in the market right now. I think we're pretty far away from that. Um, with respect to the paper, so 
my colleagues Lynn Fisher and Jamie Woodwell put this together. And this is looking at housing sort of writ large, both on the rental and the owner side. And probably the most important driver there is the pace of household formation. Are young adults heading out on their own and either renting an apartment or a house, or are, are they buying? And for many years following the end of the recession, it, it just wasn't happening. The pace of household formation was relatively anemic, and it was a bit of a puzzle because we knew we had this absolutely enormous millennial generation, bigger than the baby boomers coming along, yeah. but they just they hadn't uh, flown the coop yet. And uh, last year and end of 2014 began to see some signs in the data that household formation was picking up, and we decided to do a, a bit more intense analysis there that that pace has continued, and we honestly think it's going to continue over the next decade after really sort of digging in here. So uh, in the last 20 years or so, you would expect a million, 1.1 million new households per year. We think over the next decade, we're going to get between 1.4 and 1.6 million new households per year. So that is absolutely you know, a very strong tailwind for housing markets over the next decade. Uh, the question is, are, are, are they going to buy or are they going to rent? And you know, we don't know. There are a lot of obstacles in in the way to them them buying right now. Um, but I think, you know, going into a presidential election year, I think it's a good question for a lot of the candidates to consider: is what what kind of choices are you going to make to help uh, determine that outcome? And what where the paper comes out is, you know, we could wind up at a situation where ten years from now we have a 64 percent home ownership rate. We could be at 66%. We, we don't think we're going back to the 69% that we had at, at no. the peak in 05. Uh, that was probably not sustainable. But where we are now at 63.5 is not sustainable either because you're seeing rents rise very quickly, vacancy rates yep. very low in, in apartments, and I think that's going to push a lot of people into ownership. I was at the Mayor Catalyst event last week, and we had, you know, Renting the Future, and they had all these uh, presidents, CEOs of funds that had been purchasing up a lot of these homes. I mean, there's billions and thousands of homes. And they all talked about how they were raising rent, and they're cautious to, to what extent, but all of them across the board are raising rents. And at some point in time, they hit a button, and it, and it people go, that's it, got to go back to home ownership. It's it's affordable and it's stable. It gives you a stable cost point. Let's, one of the things driving, I loved your one graph. I saw it's encouraged to see the spike in the home ownership, or the, I mean household formation, which is going to, like you said, feed home ownership. But a lot of that's going to be, you have household formation, but there's job growth and income growth. Could you comment about what you see as far as not only job growth, but the more critical one is income growth? Yeah, that is the key question for the purchase market. Um, you know, I agree with uh, with what you guys were talking about earlier that the uh, the job report we just saw not terribly encouraging. So, uh, pace of job growth down, unemployment rate flattened, uh, labor force participation actually dropped again. Not not at all what we were looking for. Um, but uh, sort of unfortunately, I think what we are at the point now where we're—I don't think we're going to be able to maintain that 200,000 per month pace anymore. And the 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 relative good news is, as, as long as we're in excess of 100,000 per month, the unemployment rate is probably not going to go up. Uh, so as long as we're in that 100 to 200,000 per month range, uh, the job market will continue to improve. But it really speaks to something that I've tried to highlight in my presentations lately, which is. You know, two percent growth for for our economy—that's kind of the the, the new normal. Uh, I think m- many of us sort of grew up with the idea of three percent growth and you know, two hundred fifty thousand jobs a month. That's that's going to be unusual these days, and I think we got to uh, lower expectations for that job market a little bit. Yeah, take the bar down. You're talking about job growth, and then uh, Joe, Joe, get ready with some questions because I'm coming to you next. Is GDP growth? When you're talking about the growth, are we talking about Employment growth or GDP, I want to clarify that for um, everyone. Yeah, so I was talking about, about GDP growth, but the you know yeah. sort of one-to-one connection, that as that slows, you can expect the pace of job growth to slow. Now, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. For the housing market, you care about, okay, what's the unemployment rate? Because that gives a sense of are people confident enough to go forward and buy? But perhaps more importantly is what's happening to their wages. And if you look at the demand of employers for workers, you know, job openings are up right. very, very high. 
they're not able to fill those. They're not hiring uh, at the same rate as they have openings. So a bit of a mismatch in terms of the, the employees that are available on the spots that are open. I think that's going to put upward pressure on wages in, in 2016. And so we've been growing at 2%. I think it'll pick up to 25 uh, to 3%. You yeah. see it in certain sectors. You see it in the construction yeah. sector. Construction wages are growing faster than wages overall. You see it in our business. Um, you know, you, you see firms bidding for LOs in a way that uh, they haven't in a bit. Um, and in our data, we're seeing uh, sales expense go up because a lot of lenders are paying up for those real high-producing LOs. And, you know, as is so common in our industry, um, uh, you know, sort of going, going next door to, to, to post the LO from, from, from your competitor and, and driving wages up as a result. I, I think that's going to continue. Yeah. I think that that is going to continue. We're going to see more of that. The stronger demand for the top LOs is going to continue. Joe, I want to get over to you. I'm looking at your economic report from last week, and you reported that the unemployment rate was at 5.1. I'm looking at the sheet here. Mike says 5.4 is a target, so I'm sure you're going to be going to. Is it going up a little bit before we go back down? Because there's some encouraging numbers when you look at 2016 on the data that he's released. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I'd like to focus on inflation with you, Mike. The, uh, uh, of course, the overall number. Do we have any of that? In that well, barely. Uh, you know, right <laughs> on the overall number. But uh, you know, clearly, it's going to go up as we work through things like the strength of the dollar and uh, and the drop in oil prices. But give us your sense on on where inflation's going, and because uh, that's a big driver of what mortgage rates are going to do. Yeah, that's a great question. So clearly the Fed has their goal in mind in trying to set expectations that inflation will be running at about 2% per year over the long run. And they want to make sure that inflation is sort of firmly in in everyone's mind, investors and consumers. Um, obviously, we've been running below that since, uh, since really 2009. Um, I expect that you know this year's numbers outsized influence from the drop in energy prices. So we went from $100 a barrel down to, to 45 but We seem to have leveled off. So that's no longer going to be a, a negative impact. You look at other components of prices. You know, shelter prices are up 3% year over year. Um, you know, other components are closer to that 2% that uh, that the Fed is aiming for. Um, the real driver, as we were just talking about, is, is what's going to happen to wages. Uh, you know, as I think about the economy, it really is first, uh, you know, a company's input prices go up, in this case wages, and then that feeds through to, to higher prices. So do expect some of that will be happening in, in 16 and beyond. Um, you, you do have to, to worry a little bit now, and I bet we'll talk about Fed policy here in a second, but... Uh, the the path that's sort of increasingly being laid out now is one of a very slow, uh, you know, not steep at all increase in rates. Uh, if uh, oil prices were to reverse the, the move they did last year for reasons that are well beyond our control, you know, something happens in Syria or mm -hmm. something else happens in the Mideast, um, the Fed could find themselves having to be much more aggressive than anybody is anticipating at this point, and that's sort of one of our worries as we as we look ahead. When you say aggressive, let's qualify what you mean by aggressive. Dropping rates? No, no. I I think if we get a big jump in inflation from a from a turnaround in energy oh, prices, okay. right? Then then I think they're going to have to. Uh, if not slam on the brakes, they're, right now their their foot's still on the accelerator. Right um, at at some point they're going they're going to have to start at least tapping the brakes, and I think that might catch people by surprise. W would that happen? Yeah, that'd be interesting. Very good, Joe. Yeah, um, I'm looking at your economic outlook, and I and I I know that this is a little bit uh, dated, but. Uh, you're showing a couple Fed fund rate hikes in 2015. Do you anticipate uh, that, or have these recent numbers caused you to pull back some? Yeah, as as, as you, you said, it's it's a bit of a of a, of a moving target these days, um, and I think a, a challenge for us economists and for investors as well is um, 
do you listen to the words or look at the pictures or <laughs> how do you how do you handle this market where there's just so much uncertainty and uh, again, if you had listened to the to the words of a lot of leading Federal Reserve officials, you would have thought they would have hiked in sep- in September, right up to about the last couple of weeks before that before that meeting. Um, when, once we got the August job market results and they were relatively weak, you know, we changed our our call from a September hike to a to a December first hike. Um, then we had the the meeting, and then. Uh, Week after, we had a, a number of speeches from Chair Yellen and from uh, President Dudley out of New York and the Vice Chair Fisher, all saying, "Look, guys, we're going to move at the end of the year," um, sort of barring something extreme. Um, and I think that uh, they are sort of struggling for credibility with the markets at this point, and that was their effort to try to really put an exclamation point on it. And then we get the September job numbers, which. Um, if you look at the divergence between the expectations of investors for future Fed moves and what the Fed says they're going to do, uh, it, it almost keeps getting wider. So it, it is a real challenge. Um, so the way we're thinking about it is they'll, they'll raise uh, in December for the first time. They probably won't raise for the second time until uh, early in the second quarter of 2016. Uh, just take some time and see how the economy reacts. But um, Again, if you listen to what the Federal Reserve leaders have said, they said they want to move by the end of the year. This was a relatively weak September job report, but um, they also keep reminding us to not uh, not perseverate on any single data point that they look more broadly. And if you look at job openings, you look at initial claims, you look at other measures of the job market, um, it's, it's a picture of a, of a job market near full employment. Let's get over to Andy Shell, the profit doctor. Good to have you with us, Andy, and hey. you ask some questions of Mike. Well, Mike, hey, great to have you on the show, and <clears throat> my questions are far less sophisticated than what you've been dealing with with Joe. I'll kind of bring you down to the things that really matter and the things that I'm dealing with. One is that, you know, in, in mortgage lending, we want there to be housing sales that looks like from your forecast that there's going to be an increase in housing for 2016, which which that's a good thing. So, but I'm wondering about, given the rise in the rise in rates you're forecasting as well, do you think we're going to see an increase or decrease in prepayment speeds? Because when we think about our mortgage servicing and right asset and the impairment testing we have to deal with, is it fair to conclude that MSR values are going to be rising as prepayment speeds slow going through the next couple of years? Good question. So. First to the forecast, we're looking at about a 5% gain in existing home sales, about a 10% gain in new home sales, uh, home prices up uh, between between 4 and 5%. Uh, so the you know, strong growth in the, in the purchase market overall, so we see purchase volume going from $801 billion to $885 in, in 2016. Um, some of that uh, with respect to your prepay question, you know, is a increase in in baseline turnover speed. So if you're looking at your 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 discount book, right, uh, do expect some increase in prepays from what we've had the past couple of years because you have fewer borrowers with negative equity, uh, more with growing equity, and and finally at a point where they can make that move up purchase. So um, for for again, sort of for for your discount book, we would expect a a, a bit of a, a pickup in speeds. But uh, on the refi side, uh, we are now at a point where more than 40% of all loans outstanding are uh, have rates less than 4% for for 30-year fixed rate loans. Um, those loans are not going anywhere. Uh, and so, if our rate forecast is is close to right, so if we're you know up a half point, three quarters of a point from here in terms of average rate in the market. Uh, I think you'll see uh, prepay speeds for for most of your loans uh, slow. Uh, again, the, the the exception would be the sort of handful of cash out refis that that you might get. Um, there have been some stories on this lately saying that it's huge percentage increases, but it's it's coming off of a very low base. Um, right. So, but so put that all together, I think speeds are down. But uh, I think you know again, it's going to be. It's going to be different depending upon where you are in the market. And I think there's actually sort of an interesting story um, 
to be told maybe about sort of the you know that that first time home buyer starter home segment uh if if we continue to have this pace of of home price increase you know they may be ready for a move up purchase faster than than we might otherwise have expected so there could be some different stories within loan size as well wow that's good stuff uh, i just had two other quick quick points and then david if we still have time uh, i was wondering like about what what should the new president do to help stimulate housing? I mean, within the confines of they really don't have that much power, but what what do you think the candidates should say they're going to do to best maximize the growth of housing? Well, good question. Like I said, we we did forward on this uh, housing demand white paper that our group put together to a number of the campaigns with really a thought that, you know, one, they can make a difference, that uh, decisions made by the next administration are going to have an impact on where the home ownership rate is four, five, six years from now. A lot of it, in our mind, is around clarity of uh, regulations, clarity uh, in the secondary market on you know, what is a lender's responsibility and exposure when they sell or insure a loan. And whether you're talking about GSE loans or FHA loans, I think that has been uh, a major factor holding back uh, expansion of and, and access to credit is making sure lenders have a clear view as to what their exposure and what their accountability is. Um, that's not something that the the president or the next president is going to spend a lot of personal time on, but um, you know who they appoint to head the various regulatory agencies and sort of the the background music, the the, the theme music for an administration with respect to. Uh, we are at a place now where this is an incredibly safe mortgage market for consumers. Uh, there are a lot of regulations in place to protect them, and uh, I think sort of uh, making that case and articulating that for potential home buyers that they can proceed with confidence now that they are those protections are there. Very good. Well, I have a 30-second question, Dave. I know you've got to take it back here. Yep. But and this is now that we've had this normalization with Cuba and our ongoing need to grow the economy and and uh, have a broader tax base and so forth. I was wondering if you thought we should, in order to expand our housing market, just go ahead and annex Cuba and make it the 51st state. <laughs> no comment. There's no winning there. No. Thanks, though, Andy. <laughs> There's no winning there, yeah. Rubio might have a couple of comments. I'm interested. I'm going to talk to Mike to Alice here in just a second, but I'm interested. Any feedback from any of the clients on the housing demand paper? Any feedback at all? Thank you. Other, I mean, I'm sure they said thank you, but any say, hey, we really like this. Any one of the candidates responding in any any more of a in a more responsive way than another? You know, we've had follow-up conversations with, with several folks, but I think it's going to be the basis for that ongoing conversation over the next year and really trying to make the argument that you know, housing is a subject that touches every household, and uh, it's probably better for you guys to be talking about it than not because it's it's of such great importance. It seems like Carly uh, Fiorino is actually starting to mention something. I think she's the first candidate that's made some reference to it. So. Let's get over to Alice. Alice, so good to have you with us. <laughs> I'm looking at your true day. I can, I can, I sit you, see you sitting there on your phone, ready to answer, ask questions, and watching the emails pouring about trade issues. So, if you can concentrate on a question or two, go ahead and get them out <laughs> at this time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show, Mike. So, I, I do have a couple questions on credit availability. Right, I'll stick with my wheelhouse on that side of it. And good. you know, I was looking at a couple of the slides that you have, and uh, it's really interesting to me that if you zero in on the micro view, you feel like there have been some changes, but that 5,000 foot level, looking at it really since 2010 till today, it, it comes across as pretty flat. Um, so in, in the overall economic forecast, you know, we used to look at credit availability was a small component and so was the, the looming compliance issues. So kind of a two-part question on, you know, are these still relevant factors at all that, that we need to really watch? Um, now that we're on the other side of TRID here, hopefully, I mean, it's implementing. There's nothing new out there that's a big unknown. And then credit availability, um, is, it, is that an impact at all? It certainly has impacted our views of the forecast going forward. So, you know, given the strength of the job market and our sense that it's going to continue to improve, 
you know, uh, the model would, would have us be uh, even more optimistic about pace of home sales, but we think that the tight credit environment is going to continue to hold that back. And, you know, within that, it's obviously different upon uh, in different sectors of the market. So a lot of emphasis on the challenging time that a first-time home buyer has getting into the market. We've gone from a long-term average of 40% of existing home sales to first-time home buyers to as low as 25, and we're inching our way back up into the low 30s. But beyond that, you know, a self-employed borrower today has a much, much harder time getting a loan than was true uh, pre-crisis. And I think there's some work to do there to try to make that process uh, a little bit less painful. You also have to think about really any borrower with a relatively low loan balance is much more likely to run into a binding constraint, whether with with QM or or some of the other rules. Uh, You know, the 3% points and fees cap, that's much more likely to be triggered with a $150,000 loan than a $450,000 loan. Uh, You know, that's one of the things that MBA keeps pushing for some relief there, because um, I do think that it is one of uh, the factors that is keeping that uh, you know less than 150,000 loan balance portion of the market relatively weak. Fascinating, fascinating. I'm looking at the clock, and we're just about out of time. Alice, do you have one other quick question? I have a few more questions I want to slip in there to with Mike. Do you have another question? Yep, just I think just the unknown of the compliance. Have we gotten past that component yet with all of it? Now that basically most of Dodd-Frank now is here, um, we've got Humda still left and a few other loose pieces, but, you know, what are your thoughts on the impact of uh, the regulatory compliance environment as a part of this well, overall picture? Great question. Yeah, so, you know, Alice, you, you know more about impact to TRID than, than I do right now, and what we'll have to see, you know, come month end, really how impactful it is and uh, don't really have a full picture on the the impact on the cost. But you look over the past couple of years, the cost to originate a loan up from, you know, 4500 to 7000 or so, the cost to service the loan up from $55, $60 to $170 per loan. Um, the, those costs are now part of the environment. And as you said, we, we got Humda coming next. And when I talk to a lot of uh, tech folks at at lending firms, basically they said that they've had almost no time to focus on um, process improvements, efficiency improvements, or the customer experience in the Dodd-Frank era, right? They've spent all of their resources getting ready for compliance. So it's almost, uh, you know, sort of the old economics uh, story, right? It's the opportunity cost of what wasn't done these past couple of years to try to make the process more efficient and more friendly for our customers. Um, we, we have a compliant business, and it's, it's, again, as I said, very safe for consumers, but it's expensive. And I think um, the, the next several years are probably going to be spent trying to develop business models that can handle that expense. Lots of great information. We could go on with this interview for probably hours, but uh, we definitely could go on for another half hour, but we're out of time. Mike, appreciate you so much being a part of us, uh, the broadcast again. Uh, there's, uh, You're doing a lot with data. You and Marina turn out a lot of reports, and I want to talk briefly, uh, make the, our audience, listening audience aware of the reports and the data that's available through the NBA. If you could address that just real quickly. Certainly. Probably the one that I think would be sort of, uh, that should be on everyone's sort of night side table is the quarterly performance report, where you can uh, sort of see how you stack up against uh, 300 of your closest competitors in in the IMB space in terms of cost to originate and cost of uh, various components of your business. Um, you know, very very practical, hands-on information to give you a sense of the market. You know, obviously beyond that, you got our forecast. Uh, you have our app survey, uh, other other data that we put out there, the the credit index. Um, one aspect of our forecast that I think, you know, this is strategic planning time of year for, for any MBA member, in addition to, to the forecast that we were talking about, we do put some alternative scenarios out there. What happens if rates are higher or lower? What, what happens if we hit a recession in oh, you know, late yeah. 16, early 17? And, and is your business going to be durable uh, in, that, in that different environment? I think it's a, it's a good thing for any business leader to be thinking about. Absolutely great tools. We've had as our special guest Michael Frantantoni, Chief Economist, Senior Vice President, Research and Industry Technology 
Mike, appreciate you tuning in and uh, look forward to having you back. Look forward to seeing you in San Diego at the conference that's coming up and appreciate you taking time to out of your very busy day to be here with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. Appreciate being uh, being asked. It's always fun to have you here and I uh, look forward to talking to you soon. All right, looking at the markets, if you had the MBS quote line up right now, you'd be looking at it. We're getting close to the bottom side, the low side on the price side, if I'm reading this right, Joe. Is that correct? Yeah. We're down seven, which is, uh, yes, three or four below some morning pricing levels. It's uh, maybe a little too early for an unfavorable price change. Well, appreciate you bringing us the last of the report. Folks, we're going to have next week back, uh, or two, of the for the first time at the broadcast, we'll be having Mark Fleming, who's the chief economist for the First American. We'll be talking about housing and be very good re- broadcast, so be sure to come back. Yes, we're having a string of economists. Well, I can't have them on enough right now. Good to, be have, good to have you be with us today. Be sure to come back here next week and tell others about the broadcast. Have a great day, a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 